Greetings, everyone. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Um, this is Sister Zai, your host. I just wanted to add a little note before we start. At the end of the last episode, seven, we were speaking to Mwali Musaki Mafundigwa. And at the end of that episode, I promised to play two more episodes of an interview with him. As I was listening to that interview, I realized that we needed to have a little more context and a little more background just to give you some scaffolding so you can really follow along without getting too lost because the conversation I was having with him was very, very specific to Zimbabwe and the Zimbabwean situation. So this week, I'm, I've put together an interview. Thank goodness I finally managed to access my recordings from the, uh, the site where I stored them. And I've got the interview with ancestral voices to go now um i can't i don't really know because you know at this point i'm sort of you know i i'm making a curatorial decision on the fly <laughs> this is what it means to have an in divine time podcast i'm kind of feeling through what's happening at this point in time and also listening to the podcast with a new ear because we are in a different phase or stage um of you know our global experience after having gone through a pandemic and a lot of these interviews were um recorded during the pandemic so i'm 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 getting a sense as we're recording as i'm watching events in the world unfold what would be best to release now so that it makes sense for people who are actually following along in real time um how that all pans out um as time moves on and people revisit these podcasts well that's to be seen and that will be exciting to understand and to see unfold. But for now, we're going to listen to Ancestral Voices, and then we will continue with Sakima Fundikwa's episodes. Probably, I'm thinking, I'm feeling, my sense right now is at the end of the entire series. That's when we'll pick up with that again, because I think that that would give us better context by then. So we've got uh, Ancestral Voices this week, potentially next week as well. We still have another interview with um, a musician from Zimbabwe, a hip-hop artist who's based in Uganda. And then we've also got a wonderful interview with a tour, a travel and tour company um, that runs tours in Africa that are actually really beautifully done. I have to say, it doesn't have any of the exotic kitschiness <laughs> that I've seen around. So... There's plenty more to look forward to. Thanks for joining me, and uh, let's get stuck in. Okay. And, and what you said is a good point, because there are many people who are like, oh, but I'm fine now, we're okay, so it doesn't matter, that's in the past. And I say, if that's your mentality, that's fine, but I would say it only get you so far in life. Mm -hmm. I feel that once you start doing the self-knowledge, and when I say self-knowledge, it's about knowing who you are, your own you know, your own personality type, your own, your blockages, your, 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 your positive aspects, your negative aspects, mm -hmm. but then also going deeper within yourself. I mean, you start learning about your own history, your own culture, your own ancestry. It starts to give you a different understanding of life and a greater and holistic understanding of yourself. And one of the most important things that I've come across in this particular journey is that by knowing your ancestors, and, and understanding that they literally existed in your, your DNA, then you start to realize that 
You're not separate from them. You're not separate from you're not the conversation. I conversation inviting us into inviting us into inviting us into inviting us into one about one about one about there's one thing you said in there that really popped in there like black people. Is this the same? Is this the same? It's the same one, isn't it? The same one, isn't it? The same one, isn't it? You know what? Another thing. The whole album is right. The whole album is right. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. That's the one that popped. That's the one that popped. That's the one that put in a position to keep black people in a position. Which, for me, for me, I mean, that hits home so hard. So hard. Well, I mean, look. Well, I mean, look. Well, I mean, look. Well, I mean, look. Well, well, I mean, look. Well. It was written for his family. It wasn't written for a public address or anything. It's very short. He said, I must study politics and war that my sons may have liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. My sons ought to study mathematics and philosophy, geography, natural history, naval architecture, navigation, commerce, and agriculture in order to give their children. And you notice he shifts from his sons to children. So he's bringing women in to give their children a right to study painting, poetry, music, architecture, statuary, tapestry, and porcelain. Now that's the upward climb for him. Not so they'll get rich, or they'll get powerful, or they'll be celebrities. It's the rise of the cultivated, civilized civilization. And it all comes out of what you do at the beginning, building this foundation, creating this Hey, I'm Sister Zai, and you're listening to Life Seen Through a Sister's Eye podcast, produced on the beautiful and black sovereign countries of the Eastern Kulin and a place labeled Southeast Australia. I am a guest here. I am Karanga Achihera from a place labeled Southeast Africa or Zimbabwe. And you? Are you ready to reclaim, redefine, and replenish your imagination? Your ideas of who you are, what you are, and what you're made of? Are you ready to snatch back control over your imagination from the visions we never explicitly consented to carry forward, but which we nonetheless find ourselves unconsciously tending to as we go along with the crowd? Then, dear Rebel, you're listening to the right podcast. I'll be your guide and mostly your companion on this journey as we reclaim our imagination and deeply root our lives in ways of being that uplift both our own and collective liberation. We'll travel to the beat of a dream-enhancing soundscape that is lovingly curated with bursts of poetry, short stories, sound art, and chats with the guests who will join us during our quest. More than just listening to what we have to say and the soundtrack to our road trip, as you chill in the back of a tour bus, I'm extending an invitation for you to listen in with explicit intention to get curious about your own inner world. If it feels good, I invite you to make yourself a nice cup of tea, light a candle, burn some incense, perhaps grab a cozy blanket and few cushions, get comfy, it's story time, mine and yours, ours. You may 
I wish to pull out a pen and paper or better yet to keep a journal where you can doodle, collage, draw and take notes of memorable moments as we make our way across this soundscape. On a quest for stories I create new and clear visions, new directions. We'll touch base with black African creatives, creators whose imaginations are tapped into practices of living on their own terms including living beyond the imposed group identity of Black and African, and success. And we'll focus on two questions. What does success mean? And what does it mean to be African in the 21st century? Are you ready? All right, get comfy. It's story time. It was written. Narm, Biraronga, the 2nd of July, 2023. Dear 17-year-old Zai, hmm, you've come a long way in your journey. You've come a really long way in your journey at this stage in your life that I am speaking to you from. And I don't have so much of a letter for you, more of a note. Whatever you do, make sure that it gives you the opportunity to get to know yourself, to really know yourself. That is probably the most valuable gift you can ever give yourself in this life. And I think you already know this because you're sort of already pushing away from any career that allows you to drown in somebody else's idea of who you should be or in a role, playing a role. The fact that you went away in a cultural exchange program is already evidence that you're someone who is keen to really know who you are, separate from your group identity, as well as within your own group identity. You're somebody who's really fascinated with culture. And, um, and while you're away, you're going to realize that you love the arts, you love literature, you love drawing, you love all the things that, quote unquote, won't get you a good job. Keep pursuing that path, even if it's as a hobby, as an amateur theatrician. <laughs> does that word exist? It does now. All right, my love, I'm gonna leave it there. And, um, keep going. Are you ready? All right, get comfy. It's story time. It was written. On Sunday the 4th of October in 2020, I hosted an interview with Ancestral Voices backstage in my Patreon. Ancestral Voices is the duo of Dalian Adolfo and Verona Spence Adolfo. So I just want to read out their bios really quickly before we start. Dalian Adolfo is a freelance creative artist who works across a range of media from graphic design to film and video. He's also been in the teaching profession for over 10 years and has worked on a range of youth work initiatives, both locally in the UK and abroad. He has also written and directed personal shorts and exhibited his work, his artwork. Culture is a fundamental element which bonds communities together. Without it, Dalian says, we lose identity and self-awareness. The importance of preserving such knowledge is key to retelling the story of Africa and its contribution to world history in a manner that is free from colonial imposition. And Verona Spencer Dofo has 10 years of experience working in a variety of media roles, including on-air promotions, corporate productions, and TV distribution, amongst others. She has also written, produced, and directed personal shorts and documentaries. Her work has also been exhibited in international film festivals. The denigration of African spiritual teachings has been prevalent for centuries. 
once Verona came into knowledge that contradicted the negativity that she had previously been taught, she was compelled to share this insight with others. Her aim for the work of Ancestral Voices is for African spiritual teachings to be given the same acknowledgement and respect as any other spiritual philosophy. So that is the team from Ancestral Voices. And for those of you who aren't really familiar with Ancestral Voices yet, um, a little brief intro, Ancestral Voices is an educational initiative documenting, disseminating research-based knowledge about African cosmologies and spiritual philosophies for over a decade, producing a wide range of educational materials, including documentaries, books, and courses. The primary purpose is to redress the negative depictions and inaccurate historical representations of African spirituality due to religious and colonial propaganda. So you can head to their website at ancestralvoices.co.uk uh, and you'll find all of those resources there and you'll also find a lot of interviews that they've conducted with spiritual leaders from across the world um, on their YouTube. Are you ready? All right, get comfy. It's story time. It was written. We give thanks to those who work before us, you know, I'm sure there's been a long lineage of ancestors that have come from the motherland and habitated this place and upon a time as well. So we give thanks and respect to them. And I give thanks to the ancestors also who have continued to, to fight and struggle for black equanimity and equal rights across the world. Um, and also to my own family lineage for your continued guidance and support, your thanks and respect for the time. And for myself here, yeah, I'd like to uh, give thanks to the ancestors of Dalian and said that once we walk this land, as we know already, as melanated people, we have existed across the globe. So even though we are in the UK, we shouldn't um, discredit their contributions here. Um, I'd also like to thank within my own lineage, um, all the great ancestors that flow within my veins, and I ask that all the information that I share today is of benefit and listening to everybody who's listening. So, thank you. Thank you. So, Sister Zai's ICM Storytime as a project that started quite spontaneously um, with the first lockdown. Uh, and was just me reading to people from books of African because um, I wanted to sort of make them or give people here, especially in Australia, because there's such a paucity of uh, literature about Africa, just to give them an idea of what they actually is out there. Um, and then as I migrated into Patreon, I really wanted to develop this book concept called Provisioning and Rain Dancing. And the idea behind it is really to ask the question, what does it mean to be African? in the 21st century you know because i think for some for some reason that that's a really big question for me the question of identity maybe because i've migrated here and so identity becomes a huge issue when you migrate into a new place but it has its own concept of what blackness is what africa is and so we tend to like butt up against like these global ideas as well as these very localized ideas about what it means to be african and and I found out the easiest way for me to navigate all of that was to really be able to generate an own, my own sense of self. Mm -hmm. And having grown up in, in Zimbabwe, I think I was quite privileged in that I was born one year, well, maybe 10 months shy of national independence. 
So I, I was like really living in that pity atmosphere. We're free. You're the born free. You can do anything you're going to do. It's all yours. You know, and the whole liberation narrative and that. So I never, like I, under, but at the, same, at the same time, I understood because of South Africa, the racial politics. That, particularly in Southern Africa, though, you know, we kind of face. And then coming to Australia, I realized, oh, this is the origin of a lot of those laws and legislation. Mm -hmm. The innovation system, the racialized economic system. So what I would like, I mean, that's just a little bit of a, uh, an overview into me and kind of my motivations for being here in this space and inviting you and this book that I'm working on and I invite members of my Patreon, my 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 most loyal fans, are here with me during this creative development process as well, which is beautiful. Um, and so I want to ask you two, uh, maybe I'll start with Verona. I want to know a little bit about yourself as well and sort of what inspired you to be in this space with ancestral voices and retelling the story of Africa um, mm -hmm. through African spirituality. Yeah. Um, okay, so my journey started um, with different steps and stages. So my official journey, I say, always started in 2001. But there has always been an interest from childhood in terms of ancient African wisdom. Um, I'm of Jamaican heritage, so I used to grow up and hear my parents talk about stories of OBI in Jamaica, and they were very scared of it. Um, but at the same time, what stood out to me at that age is, you know, if they're scared of it, that means that there's power in this. And so I used to be very fascinated when they spoke about stories of um, people's heads swelling up and all different kind of weird stuff they used to talk about. But I was like, wow, this sounds very magical and mysterious. But it wasn't until I was older that I started to question more. In 2001, 9-11 happened. And that's when my mind kind of opened up to the realm of what could be. And so that's where conspiracies became of interest. That's also when I started to look into spirituality in general. Um, and I went down the new age path because I personally found that religion didn't resonate with me. I just wasn't drawn to it. I just felt like it didn't nourish me in any way. Whereas once I came into new age teachings, I was like, oh, this makes sense. This resonates. Something was there. But then at the same time, I felt that there was something missing and that there seemed to be no sort of African connection. I was thinking, well, as melanated people, we've been across the globe forever. So why are we not included in this narrative? All these stories seem to be, for me personally, indigenous stories, but they didn't seem to have our face on it. So I was a bit confused. And then I started to want to learn more and, and dig deeper. And I guess once I started learning about the seven genetic principles from ancient Egypt, then I was like, oh, so what else is going on in the rest of the African continent? I refused to believe that only Egypt was this focal point that everyone seemed to look at. But I was like, but what's going on everywhere else? And that, to me, was my trigger to, to want to learn more. And then um, once that intention was in my mind to start reconnecting with my ancestors, I found that my outer reality started to mix my mix with my intention. So then I met somebody who actually told me, you should be filming on your ancestors. I was like, what? I've never heard of that before. That was a completely new concept to me. But 
when she said it, I was like, I need to do this. And once I started calling on my ancestors and literally inviting them into my life, then it was like a whole world that was unseen for me before opened. And it was soon after that I met Dalian. Um, it was also quite quickly into our relationship as well, where we discovered that this is clearly something we're both passionate and interested in. And we decided to put our creative skills together and create a documentary. So it was like a, a series of steps that all led to this journey. But it all started with that intention. And as you said as well, there's that point when you started to claim your own heritage, when I started to claim my own Black and African heritage, that's when it's like the DNA cells within me started to awaken. Amazing. That's so amazing. I'm really fascinated that you went down that new age route first because I found that that's where I went, potentially because there was more information about it and it yeah. was coming more into the mainstream at about that yeah. time as well. Yeah. But then you also found that, oh, hang on, where is the, the African connection? Yeah. That's something really mm -hmm. fascinating. I'd love to know more about that in a little bit. Okay. Thank you so much, Verona. Dalian, could you let us know about a little bit about your journey and how you came into um, yeah, your uh, identity through African spirituality? Of, of course. Um, so my name is Dalian. Um, I'm originally from Ghana. Um, I'm, I'm an Akan, um, both my parents are. And um, my journey into spirituality, um, for me, kind of goes back to the passing of my grandmother. This was in 1989. Um, and I was um, just, I was in primary school at the time, do you know what I mean? Um, and after she passed on, there were like a series of incidences that kept happening um, immediately and quite soon after. Um, you know, very kind of um, immaterial um, experiences. I didn't really process most of them at the time mm -hmm. because, A, I wasn't, um, my mom and most Africans, as you might be aware, sisters, are of two particular religions. They're either Christian or Muslim um, due to the colonization history of Africa. You know, so most of these incidents, I just, you know, you just brush them off and you keep moving. Um, you, you you might not be so familiar with them, but you know you you don't have any um you don't have any tools to process these thoughts or experiences or even understand how and why you're going through them. You know you you mention some of these stories, they tell you some type of witchcraft. That'll be the first place that they will settle on. So I just lived with these experiences. I just knew they were good because they were coming from my grandmother. That much I could tell. You know, so these experiences um, stayed with me up until when I was brought to England to, to finish my education, you know. And um, in, in, in this space, uh, again, as you correctly said, sometimes you, you find greater appreciation for your culture when you're not really in it, you know, as in, in the physical space, because you start to realize and see yourself or you're allowed to see yourself from a different lens or perspective, you know. So then it, it kind of gave me that impetus to really get deeper into my own traditional and um, history, culture, and lineage, and learn more about myself. And um, being specifically within the Akan configuration, I'm an Asante. Yeah, and an uh, Asante, due to a certain relationship they had with the British, yeah, their history is quite extensive, even though some of them are um, 
to be saying falsehoods that have been put in there, but you do tend to find or know a lot more about the Asante, a bit like the Zulus, than you would of other tribes. You know, in that colonial experience, there were specific groups of people who were, um, yeah, particularly favored, if you will. Yeah. So, um, in about 2000, you know, I've always had this this um, impression to do something related to my culture, especially the spirituality. And um, because for me, it's always been with me, as I said, you know, from my grandma past, I was just given instructions on how to perform particular rituals, how to keep that connection with it. It just came naturally. I didn't, it didn't come to me from Tribusian initiation or a teacher. It came from the spirit of my grandma because we share the same um, birthday as well. I was born on a Thursday, she was born on a Thursday. And in my, my culture, you have um, what we call your, almost like your soul destiny name. So the day that you're born has a, a significance to the name you're given, as well as the purpose for why you've been born. You know, so over the years, because I kept that um, ritual of veneration going, it made the relationship much deeper. It made me understand a uh, lot of things a lot more. And um, in terms of my own religious journey, because um, you know I've been raised Catholic without any permission for myself. Um, I fell out of Catholicism roughly when I, I was in the UK. Well, actually, no, since when I was about 15, um, I was in a Catholic school, and um, I could see some of its failings because, you know, in every week, you would be going to this thing called confession, where you would be confessing all the things that you've done um, in the week before, and you are supposed to be remorseful for it. Um, but I could start to see quickly that, you know what, this actually system allowed me to do anything I wanted and then pass on the responsibility to some entity which I don't even have any personal connection with. So I started to realize, yeah, this is a free path to do whatever I want to do. And then I'll just come, they'll give me some prayers, and then that's it. But with the experiences with my grandma, it, it had a lot more of a value, a lot more of a sense of respect. I didn't feel like, you know, I could, I could hide and do certain things and then come and almost pretend that I was sorry for them. You know, there was a lot more accountability in that um, spiritual relationship. So leaving Catholicism, I went into a bit of um, Islam for a while, learned about Islam, quickly found out that it was just a, an extension of uh, Christianity because it was born from that, as Christianity was also born from Judaism. So um, I then shifted my focus because I, I, I liked the spiritual experiences. So I decided to learn about Buddhism. Um, and I learned about Buddhism uh, quite in some detail. Um, and it was in one of the temple sessions that I was at that they started talking about um, the Eightfold Path of the Buddha. And I quickly came to realize that these eight uh, paths, you could find them reflected in many African proverbs. So at that time, it, the decision was like, okay, so why am I here still learning about all these other systems when I can see the African? Rather, my time will be better spent for me to learn a lot more about the African systems as well. So as Verona said, we both came to the realization that it was missing from these conversations. Yeah, And we didn't have these conversations about African spirituality in the same spaces, nor was it given the same respect as most of these other systems. So we decided um, to put our skills together. And my background is in teaching and a qualified um, teacher. Verona also had a, a background in video production. 
And so we decided to put, you know, I'm also a graphic designer as well. So we decided to put all our skills together and then put some educational material out there that will help um, people who want to learn about African spirituality. And the resources needed in that. So we decided to put something out there so others would have an easier entry into the system. Yeah. We had so like two other. We had two other um, folks join us on these um, Africa Speaks Back sessions, and okay. it's interesting that everybody is using alternative ways of publishing information that is actually not available. So yeah. this is obviously it's an issue. It's an issue that you know yeah. in the time when we're trying to define ourselves, mm -hmm. we're dependent on systems and structures that don't necessarily allow us to do so in an authentic way. Um, so, I want to, but I want to first comment, before I go on there, I want to first comment on, on what you've just said, Dali, and thank you so much for, for sharing that journey with us as well, because um, it's, it's quite interesting. I tell people that I never spoke openly about um, my spiritual journey, because in Australia, it's not something that people talk about. Spirituality mm -hmm. is, religion in general is just a no-no here, which yeah. is Fascinating for me coming from Zimbabwe where there's a church on every corner, right? Okay, yes, yes. The question is always going to be, what church do you go to? My parents right. expected me to go to church. So the assumption mm -hmm. is that you must be practicing something demonic. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> the church is like a way to absolve you of any suspicious activity or behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that, that relationship that we're supposed to have with with the creator through this avenue is is not um it's not clean it's not clear it's not is that, um, am I correct in hearing what you're saying there? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, in a sense, what you're saying is there's gatekeepers that are put between you and the creator when the the connection should be straight um between there should be no middleman yeah. uh, or middle woman. Yeah. 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 And so um I wanted to to ask about the team ancestral voices so you you how did you two meet i mean dahlia and you came to finish education in the uk wherever mm -hmm. you were living in the uk you're from the uk via jamaica and but how so how did your path so you're on these individual spiritual mm -hmm. seeking searching path so then how does this dynamo team come together um it was actually through a mutual friend at his barbecue and so, um, yeah, it was actually funny enough. I was supposed to have other plans that day that got cancelled. And then my friend called me and said, oh, I was going to go to a barbecue. And I already had booked a car for that day. So I said, yeah, why not? I'll go. And then I saw Dalian there. I didn't really, at the time, think anything really of it. <laughs> it was just, you know, a bunch of people meeting up. And I thought, yeah, he seems all right. But I didn't have anything like that in my mind at the time. Um, but it wasn't until later that evening where, for me anyway, where I drove him and his friend home because they both lived in the West London area, which is where I'm from. And then we literally just spoke the entire car journey home. And it's just really weird to meet someone where the conversation was just flowing. Interesting enough, we didn't really speak much at the barbecue, <laughs> but on that journey home, it was just like flowing and yeah, it was obviously really nice and but what I liked was the open dialogue and the fact that we, he was open to my ideas. As I said, at that point, I was very big in my conspiracies. I was really 
So, but he was, you know, he was listening to me. I think he may have thought I was a little bit crazy, but whatever. <laughs> the connection was there. <laughs> And then what was the, from your, your experience, yeah. how did you experience that? What was the, how did the team come together? Yeah, ma'am, as he said, you know, we, we met at uh, my friend's barbecue. Interestingly enough, he's called Yao as well, because he was also born on a Thursday. Um, and um, I knew Verona's friend, because she was a radio personality in the UK um, at, at one point. So, you know, she introduced me to Verona, um, and then we, we started talking, and then you know, at the party, I think there was one of the things that, um, I, one of the things that I have that, you know, seems to uh, find, people seem to find impressive, you know, because I have a heightened sense, heightened senses, you know, a particular smell. So I remember that during the party, she was walking by and I invited her to come and join in the conversation with a group of us. So when she came out, I was like, oh, you're eating chocolate. Um, and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're eating Kit Kat because I, I could differentiate it was Kit Kat. Wow. You know, like, how, how can you tell that? You know, because most people think chocolate is just chocolate. But, you know, and again, this, this comes with that spiritual um, um, and, and, and enlightenment, if you will. You know, as you develop yourself, your senses also develop, you know. So I can stratify which type of chocolate it was. And I think that was um, a good impression made. So after <laughs> We were, yeah, when we were being dropped off, you know, we're talking a lot. Well, she was a lot. Um, we were talking, she was telling me about some of the, the stories, you know, what people might consider conspiracy, which just means things that we do not know, yeah, yeah. or come verified as, as accurately as possible, you know. And I'm, me, I'm open. I, I will entertain all stories and ideas um, because everything exists within the realm of possibility. You cannot say something is not true just because you don't experience it. That's not how it works. You understand? So, yeah, we had a very good time. I thought it was very um, interesting. Um, and then um, I believe I invited her to come over. But as she said, the very interesting thing is I had lived five minutes from where she lived for over 10 years. And I knew people she'd grown up with. And I was always actually worked up the road from her as well. And we'd never met. Never, 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 never met until that time. So that 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 was another very interesting thing, you see. Um, so when she came over, this was on a Sunday. Um, and on Sundays, that's one of the days when I venerate my grandma. Because obviously, I don't do any church going, nothing anymore. Um, and at the time, I had um, this snake skin rug um, where when it was a circular rug. And I would have certain implements out. And I would perform my veneration to my grandmother, you know. So normally I don't leave that out because I know, well, I knew at the time that people are still a bit, yeah. you're okay with everything else. You can have a Buddha in your house. Right? Thing. Nobody bats an eyelid. But they see anything that looks remotely African, yeah, kind of colonial, field <laughs> uh, check start to go crazy. So I forgot. But then, so when I let her in, she said, what's that? <laughs> So then I was like, oh man, this is, you know, case closed. But again, it's not something I'm ashamed of. This is this is my line. This is my DNA. So I was I just told her exactly what it was. And she was like, oh wow, you actually do ritual. How you do ritual? You know, I've been looking for someone who knows how to do ritual. So, you know, I gave her a breakdown of how I came to understand what I'm meant to do. And I think that two two uh, spirits seeking to expand 
dear knowledge yeah. will always find commonality and um, yeah, usefulness for each other. For me, yeah. the synchronicity of that event was just amazing because I was at a journey, a part of my journey where I knew that I needed to start practicing more and implementing rituals. Then to go and see Dalian doing the ancestral veneration to his grandmother, I was like, wow, there's someone else who's on this path and they think like me. Because I just assumed that this is a journey I'm going to have to walk alone. And I've made my peace with that. So to actually meet someone who had the same sort of mindset, I was blown away. And it was at that point when I was like, it's him. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think what I love as well is just that um, the two spirits seeking to expand. Because that is a very integral part of African spirituality, isn't it? Like the team, you know, and the balancing of the energies as well. Yeah. Could yeah. you speak to that and how that works within your, within your, because I'm curious, I'm just like, how, I read about it, but I don't have experience of it. So I don't know it. You know what I mean? Well, definitely, um, as you said, about that balance. And I think that's been very vital for ancestral voices in general, as well as ourselves as individuals and as a couple. So obviously you have the masculine and feminine balance. And then I don't think it's coincidental that you have Dalian, who's continental born, and myself, who's diasporan. And so that that echoes itself in our work, particularly the Spirit is Eternal documentary, where it is for both those who were raised in the traditions and those who are continental and are trying to find their way back. And I find that for myself, as someone um, born in a diaspora, there's always this need to kind of want to learn or feeling a bit disconnected. But what we do with the Spirit is Eternal work, we show that there's, there's the correlations exist within these traditions, both um, within the African continent and in the diaspora. So for example, we travel places like um, South Africa, we, we talk about um, ancient Semitic spirituality, we speak about, um, I don't know, Yoruba spirituality, and we also show how these same tenets can be found in places like Brazil and Haiti. And so for me, it's been a, a wonderful part of going back home and uh, uh, removing any forms of being disconnected because then you realize, number one, it's in your DNA. And then number two, is that it's not about worrying that oh, I don't know where I'm from on the continent. It's about knowing that it's already within you and that by you just making that connection, you're already in. So it's not about worrying about, oh, I don't know, it doesn't matter. It's within you. And I feel that um, just by meeting Dalian and by the wisdom that he shared and then the, the knowledge that we've accumulated together has made me feel whole. So that ties into that balance again. So I've become whole within myself through the knowledge that I've taught, but then equally within our partnership, it's allowed that to be a greater level of knowledge. And by us finding that balance within ourselves, we've actually helped other people also along the same journey. One of my favorite books is actually The, the Spirit of Intimacy. And I love how, um, it's Marizoma Somme's wife, I forget her name now. Um, and she talks about how partnerships really are about it's, a, it's for the individual it's for the partnership but it's also for the greater the greater whole and that we're all called into this time um, with gifts and the purpose that is suited for the time that we're actually that we're actually in yeah. so, Dalian, can you tell us a little bit about how this partnership has helped like you know give us 
Because a lot of us, we just read these things or we, we look at Egyptian statues and we always see the man and the female together, the male and the female, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Putting questions, I'll answer them in a second. Uh, I got um, can you can you tell us what that actually is? Like what what from an experiential level for you, same yeah. way that Verona has just explained to us. Mm-hmm. How has this partnership and this team? Because it's, it's I think it's the ancestors of work. I mean, for me, that's just what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, again, it's um, as as Verona or correctly said. You know, when you look at those statues, and it's interesting. You know, because hence why we find such representations from ancient and now in Africa, you know, the, the masculine and the feminine principle, because these two forces together is what brings forth life. Okay? And the feminine and the masculine together can bring a, a child into being. They can create something out of themselves and have an extension. So that concept alone is the concept of what pe- many people will call God. You understand? Because that's what God is, bringing forth. It's a, a notion of creating life. Uh, so when this is one of the things that makes us look at religion and say, how can one thing be responsible for all things? You understand? It doesn't work right. And then it's even gendered as well. That, 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 that adds even more aspect to your understanding of why this, this isn't natural. You know, this, this is made by exactly other human beings. Because in all aspects of nature, we have the elements of the masculine and the feminine together creating life. And how that affects our partnership again is, as I said, over the years, I always wanted to do something reflective of, of my culture. And I was actually, I, in uni, I did a small book about Asante culture and spirituality. Time um, wanted to do a film, but I was afraid of um, people being ostracized. But then when Verona was in my life, and um, together, not even necessarily ostracized, because uh, I don't really live by people's opinions, but I guess what I, I mean was at the time, I could see you freak people out. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have, you know, perhaps any access to, to much more else. But with Verona on board, again, you see that it felt like this is the time. You know, so for me as well, I, I, I know, because it's an experience, that nothing comes before it's time. Everything mm-hmm. happens in at the time when it's supposed to. So mm-hmm. all those times when... I didn't manage to release the book earlier or even uh, pursue the film on Asante spirituality. And maybe I may have beaten myself up and said, ah, man, you, you know, you're procrastinating, you're time waster. It mm. just wasn't the time. Mm. And then in meeting Verona as well, even expanded the focus of where I would have liked to have an educational piece about our system. Because it wasn't just stuck in the Asante um, communities anymore. Now we had to look for where all of us fit into the story. It's even the story had become a lot broader. So the partnership again had expanded, um, should we say, the seed idea. You know, it was becoming something much more. So this is where partnership becomes important. It adds value, it adds more, always in some form, way, or shape. Even in my spiritual understanding, obviously, it's taken us into this film. We've gone worldwide, we've understood and realized how it all fits together into one story. So this is the power of partnership, the addition of value. Oh, I'm, I'm grateful for your partnership because let me tell you what I was doing. It was probably around about, what, 2012? I was on Facebook. I was questioning. I was like, I need to, you know, I was a kid. And I started, like, 
reading the Bible. I used to get up at five in the morning, read the Bible, try to like figure out things, trying to understand things all the time, you know? I don't really talk about it too much. But, you know, and that I could talk about a little bit. I was at a Catholic school, then I went to a, uh, a Methodist um, church. I wasn't, um, what's the word, um, baptized in the Christian, in the Catholic, Roman Catholic church. We ended up going to like a born again, ended up like in a very born again uh, Christian Methodist vibe. And then by the time, you know, I was like a teenager, I was asking my mom, I want to go to Christian camp, but there was always something. I was like, there's something, there's something, there's something. So I think, you know, I always knew I wasn't atheist, but I mm -hmm. wasn't really believing and vibing in this image of God that I was being given my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I think about 2009, 10, I was like, I needed to pick up the instrument. Mm -hmm. And this man came into my life. He was just like, you know, and he's gone now, but he told me to play a song on the mirror. And I really mm -hmm. had to confront my fear because the story around the leader is that when you start playing it, you become, it's raining, yes. When you start oh. playing it, you become this. Oh, wow. Okay. It's one of the instruments that was actually taken away from us as Zimbabweans because it's got all the coding in it. But even when you play, because you put it on your knees, right? And so like the, the frequencies run through your bones, throughout your whole right. yeah. it awakens you and it puts you in a meditative state and you're getting downloads and people go dances <laughs> and all this sort of stuff, you know? I play it. I loved it because I love music. Of course, they know how to do it, right? I love music. Uh -huh. I was playing it, but then I was scared of it too. And then I slowly got over that fear. Mm. And I still had questions about, and I was, I was trying to find books, and every single book that I found was written by a European who had gone and sat with the people, mm -hmm. yeah, and had code, but people aren't stupid. They didn't tell them everything. I couldn't tell them what told everything. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Secret knowledge. It's a sacred mm. secret knowledge. So I was just like, how am I ever going to get my hands on this? You know, my parents both not being particularly religious, you mm. know, like, they kind of thought I was doing, and they were a bit shocked that I'd gone down the African route, but I think they were just like, okay, she's always been a bit different. And then, um, <laughs> and then um, 2012, like, I was on Facebook, and I remember seeing your, your page pop up, and wow. it was, like, announcing that this DVD was coming up, and I was like, <laughs> like no way. <laughs> it came out like I was on it, and I remember just watching it over and over again. I couldn't believe the information. I could not believe the information, and that it had been documented by you two. You know, mm -hmm. who had this really. It, it's still to this day. Like I still, I still watch it, and I'm still learning because um, I think a lot of that information makes sense as you're progressing, and so yeah. you go back and you watch again. And you go yes. back and you watch again, and you go yes. back and watch again. And then I recently got the book. So I just uh -huh. want to thank you both. And I just want to thank the ancestors for bringing you two together and for this mm -hmm. partnership. And yeah. um, it's, I mean, look, I'm one of what, I mean, you've got 300,000 people on your Facebook page. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, this, is yeah. this is the impact. And I see that now you're also translating into French. Yes. And into uh, the Portuguese as well. Uh, yes, yeah, Spanish. We have a Spanish version of the book, um, and the French one just came out on the first of October. And we are going to look into Portuguese translation as well. We actually meant to try and start that process this year, but um, as you can see, this this thing they're calling Corona has affected um, 
Brazil particularly hard. Um, so it's put that a bit on hold. But again, it's still something we're going to do because one of the key challenges um, for African worldwide understanding, um, you know, and even liberation and self-autonomy for ourselves is to bridge that colonial language gap as well. You know, language will always put some kind of barrier up, but at least in our original traditions, we could yeah, interpret. We had people who could speak each other's language, and we need to do the same now. And yeah. this is the situation we find ourselves in, and the best thing to do is to deal with these particular challenges. One of the first is language, because language still separates us a great deal. Yeah. Well, I think it's beautiful that you have, have encompassed the entire, like, all Africans, because it's, we're everywhere. You know, I remember I posted this um, meme that broke down populations, Africans in different parts of the world, and people were shocked. People didn't mm. think there were so many Africans in Brazil, in the United uh -huh. States, in Asia. Like, they were just like, what is this? I'm like, yeah, we're, we're out here. <laughs> yeah, we're out here and everywhere. Yeah. We're out here. <laughs> So why is why is African spirituality so important for because you know this this um, purposeful scattering of African peoples around the world um, through predatory capitalism over five hundred plus years? Why is it that we should be interrogating? looking into who we are really as people like what is that even important why can't i just go i'm in australia now i'm australian <laughs> my life is good <laughs> what like how do we let's let's start there let's start from the folks who are who are there okay and, and what you said is a good point because there are many people who are like oh but i'm fine now we're okay so it doesn't matter that's in the past and I say, if that's your mentality, that's fine. But I would say it'll only get you so far in life. Mm -hmm. I feel that once you start doing the self-knowledge, and when I say self-knowledge, it's about knowing who you are, your own, you know, your own personality type, your own, your blockages, your your your, your positive aspects, your negative aspects. Mm -hmm. But then also going deeper within yourself. I mean, you start learning about your own history, your own culture your own ancestry, it starts to give you a different understanding of life and a greater and holistic understanding of yourself. And one of the most important things that I've come across in this particular journey is that by knowing your ancestors and, and understanding that they literally existed in your, your DNA, then you start to realize that you're not separate from them. So mm -hmm. if they had any particular issues in life or you know, personality disorders or, or positive aspects, all of those things still exist within you. So if you're trying to develop yourself, if you're trying to work on yourself, then actually knowing your ancestry is very important because then you can start to work on some of those behaviors and characteristics and either remove them if they're not of benefit to you or work to overcome them. Or if they are of benefit to you, then you can call upon those positive aspects of yourself to help navigate you through your life. So for me, understanding your relationship with your ancestors enables you to understand how dynamic you are as a spiritual being that exists in this physical human vessel, because you're much more than this human vessel. And so those who are just like, oh, I live in a good life, I have my house, my car, you're stuck in this physical reality. 
But since doing this work, I've now, I see things that are beyond the physical realm. I, I notice signs and symbols. I, I get um, intuitive downloads to my head that come in the form of thoughts and ideas or just even like that sort of internal voice that guides me. And so it adds another dimension to this reality that allows me to not only realize that there is more, but also allows me to put that, I guess, uh, genetic memory to use. Mm. And so it becomes a guide to help me through this life. It also allows me to be in this vessel, uh, a functioning uh, part of my healing journey that doesn't just heal myself, but my ancestors too. So working out any old behavioral patterns that I can see that are not just within me, but my family members as well. And I'm like, oh, so that's why that happens. Or that's why they do this. Now, instead of me necessarily looking at them in judgment or just kind of being in friction or position stem, I can now see that there's certain work that needs to be done within my genetic line that is part of my healing journey as well as my collective family. Mm -hmm. So I feel that ancestor reverence and knowledge of self is so important for many different aspects. And I've just kind of touched on some of the areas how I can see how that's played out in my life. Um, but I would say anybody who's stuck on this physical reality is only dealing with one aspect, and it's so much greater than that. And I feel that this work allows you to realize how vast and how great you are, and to realize that we are spiritual beings, ultimately. Mm, mm, mm. I'll, I'll mm. One second, I'd like to plug my Sure. Let me describe this real quick. Yes, Dalian, I'm with you now. Yes. No problem. Uh, when you're ready. Um, it's a it's a very important question that you've asked um, about the importance why. Um, and you know, the, for that we can even um, we say flesh out many, many, many things and levels within that. Um, but you know, we we try and keep it as succinct as possible. Um, because one of the first things is as Verona has correctly implied there that for most of us, identity, even the way we talk about identity, we kind of deal with it, uh, if you want to call it a very superficial level. And also even in a particular type of um, um, framework, uh, when we look at it as a, a construct within, let's say, capitalism or even democracy or even these different systems where your identity can either be part of a collective um, or it's just what you feel and see of yourself. So even in all these frameworks, we have a certain limitation of what identity could be, which is it starts to a physicality. Yeah? Um, but with the African fra uh, framework, we have what we call the tripartite, uh, which is basically like the notion of a trinity. Yes? We have family that comes before. We who are the ones um, existing now, and then there's those who are to come. So we live in a cycle. We actually don't live in a moment. Do you understand? And so when we start to understand just how, I guess, deep life is more than just this surface level of understanding things, we start to, A, we can either have um, better quality of life in terms of how we live and the experiences that we allow ourselves to experience. Because if we're only looking at things on a, should we say, just a physical level, then we're limited, as Verona said. A lot of um, expansion that we could have, we would never experience them because our framework has told us you can only see things on one level. 
You understand? When there are many, many different levels. So even our sense of well-being will become compromised because our knowledge of self is also limited. Mm. Yes, it is limited to something physical. And this is where um, this corona um, um, should we say situation has become interesting because a lot of people who are stuck to the physicality, yeah, to their job, to the kind of car that they drive, to, I don't know, the kind of food they can afford to go dining for, all these things that they gave them value, it gave them a sense of their identity. The minute it got taken away, you find many people are in crisis because the identity, in a sense, is tied to something in the physical only. And once that thing is no longer there in the way they're used to it, we are now in crisis. Yes? But then when you realize that your identity is much more in addition, uh, she's already mentioned the, 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 um, your ancestral memory, your DNA. Now, mm -hmm. it's interesting because we can see correlations between that and even what Western society has called the science. Because science once upon a time was very empirical. It only dealt with the physicality of things. But now you see that even uh, Western or European science has moved it along to a space now that it calls the quantum science. And in here, you're now starting to deal with things that go beyond our five senses. And one of the key things is what they call chromosomic memory. What we in African spiritual systems know as our connection to our ancestors and our ancestral memory. Mm -hmm. So as Corona said, you can go deeper within your memory to learn so many more things about yourself because you come from a group of people and they all exist within yourself and sometimes express themselves as different aspects of your personality, different types of skill sets that you have. So even when you look at the educational system, you go to school and say, oh, this person, oh, you write well. Maybe you, want, you should be a writer when you grow up. But you, that same person, you could be a writer, you could be a doctor, you could be a physicist, you could be all these things because there are people who come before you who have had that trait or quality. And that trait or quality is still a part of you. Mm -hmm. And you could give that part an expression. Mm. You understand? So there's so many levels in identity that we could find within the African spiritual system if we allow that knowledge flow to come in because that flow is in the very air that we breathe and it's through our ritual practices that we allow these energy or downloads that both of you have mentioned to come through so as spiritual systems play a key role in our identifying self knowing self being able to put self to use yes um it's not what most people just assume it to be i very safely say oh this is just another religion we don't need more religion. Religion has just been causing division among people, etc., etc. No, it's not. This is a science of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah? And yourself yeah. is connected to ancestors as well as those who could come in the very future. So you're yeah. way much more than yourself. So yeah. these are some of the important bits we can draw from um, African spiritual knowledge system. Yeah. Yeah. It was written. Thank you for joining us on another Life Seen Through Sister's Eye podcast. This was episode eight in series one. We'll be back next week, or rather this week, Sunday, with the second part from this interview, which I'm sure you found really interesting and informative in terms of really getting to know yourself. And um, be sure to check out Ancestral Voices, ancestralvoices.co.uk, 
They're also on Instagram, Twitter, um, and you'll also find some really great interviews on YouTube. I hope you've subscribed to the podcast. It's available on Spotify and Apple. Please leave a review wherever you're listening. Share with your friends. Um, send us a note. Tell us how you're going. Um, get in touch with me as well if there's anything that you've heard in here that you'd love to discuss further. I do offer one-to-one consultations for folks who are on this journey of working out, you know, what it means to be African in the 21st century, what success means, or any other interesting ideas that bubble up and you'd like to have somebody to listen and hold space as you um, consider um, some of the thoughts that have come up uh, as you've listened to the different interviews I've presented. It's always lovely to catch up with people. It's always great to get to know you one-to-one. I love um, closer connections and the internets can provide. Alrighty, my loves, I will talk to you very soon. It was written.